episode 41, All the Fly Kids Show. We are back in studio. I am your host, Geronimo Nose. Got super engineer co-host Backpack Mac in the corner tinkering with something because he's the super engineer. We got super videographer Ryan Gordon in the building holding it down per usual. <laughs> um, today's guest is a woman I've known for a few years. I met her at a little powwow we all had over in uh, Logan Circle. Um, friend of the show, Marcus Dowling, pull, pulled that together, and that's who I met. How I met her, he knows all the, the dope, cool, fly-ass people in town. Mm-hmm. And today's guest, also, I forgot to tell her how we how we do things here with naming, uh, naming our episodes. We name our episodes, you know, every... Uh, Every episode, just to, you know, get a little spice to it. So, um, for this week's episode, the Be a G or Follow My Lead episode, oh, we have okay. creative entrepreneur and not just digital coach, but Google digital coach, Miss Shelly Bell in the building. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> she, I didn't know there was more coming. I didn't know how long the show title. I'm gonna was say she she she's watching Young hey. Skylar right now. She 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 brought the youngest of the tribe with her. Yeah, you know. We're happy to have Skylar here. You know, I'm, I'm glad to be here. This is awesome. Good, good. Yeah. Glad you, I'm glad you are happy being here. We're just getting started. All we right, haven't even got do down to the nitty gritty. I love it. I love it. I, <laughs> I can talk about you know what I do all day, so it's cool. Okay. Well, first off, we we got to start from the top and give everybody some some background. Where Shelly Bell is from? Okay. Um, and how you ended up in D.C. Because I know you're not oh, originally gosh. from D.C. Yeah. So, um, I'm from North Carolina originally. Okay. And I... What part of North Carolina? Durham. Durham. Born and raised. Uh, Went to North Carolina A&T, Aggie Pride. And uh, so from there... I my degree is in computer science. So okay. I graduated a degree in computer science and I decided that I would before going like before going into a corporate job, I would teach for a little while. Okay. Um and so I started I was in love with this dude and it's always right. Isn't that how it goes, right? With somebody. Somebody. <laughs> and you know, it was a crazy situation, crazy like ex girlfriend, stalker type situation that went on for years. And um, I moved to Charlotte. Okay. And he was originally from Charlotte. Moved to Charlotte and um, started teaching mid- uh, middle school. And I was teaching computer classes or whatever, so you get to see everybody in the school. Um, and I just really had a knack for it. Like, I just loved it. Mm-hmm. It was, it was. I like teaching. I like working with children, that type of thing. So after that, um, I decided, after, like, the situation with us broke all the way down. Yeah. Um, I was just like, there's no need for me to be here. <laughs> That's it. So my you, mom. You need my, to change. Yeah, I need to change. My sophomore year in college, my mom, uh, my mom, my brother, and my dad moved to Rockville. Okay. So I'm um, Germantown. Whoa. So, um, Germantown. Yeah, Germantown. It was out there. So I was just <laughs> like, you know what? I got to get out of here. Called my mom like, I got to go. Like, this is not happening. Mm-hmm. This is not life right now. Um, I didn't have anything. My brother had wrecked my car. Um, I had lost my job because I left my job to follow this dude. That's crazy. To this organiz- this community organization owned by his mom's friend or whatever, and her funding didn't come through, so like I was left without a job. I had two children at this time. I had my daughter when I was 17, my older daughter. She's in college now. Mm-hmm. And um, I had my son while I was in college. So he's 15. So I have three children, 18, 15, and two. See, I always thought you had three girls. I didn't know you had a had a son. Yeah, no, my middle child's a son. Yeah, okay, okay. a boy. And so, um, so from there, okay, I'm like, I gotta get out of here. I came here with nothing really, and but I'm like, I need a place to stay, stay with my mom. And I called some friends from college to mm-hmm. get connected to get a job. So did that. I was working at like DHL. Had another friend from college who connected me to somebody. And this is this is where the social capital thing comes in. But I, there's, um, a lot, there's a there's a lot of uh, A and T alum, yeah, in this area, in the DC area, for a lot. sure. And um, <laughs> connected with a friend of mine. I ended up working at a patent and trademark office. Okay. So I was at the patent and trademark office. Um, they had just started doing these like large cohorts of training. And uh, it was like eight months long, so I was a part of that. But I didn't want to do it no more. Like, I, w- I didn't like sitting behind a computer examining patents. 
Oh, so you weren't even doing any computer engineering, no. nothing. You but they they hire people who are engineers. But to do look, but to look, but over. to examine patents because they want you to know about the technology. Okay, I got you. And they also want you the the type of training that you get as an engineer, or the way you learn to learn as an engineer, or the way you learn to problem solve, which is why, like, you see a lot of people. Um, and the National Science Foundation, like a couple other big organizations, have been doing pushing this like behind the scenes for years, research wise. But you start to see it coming out now, where they're pushing a lot more kids to code and like. Doing this whole, like, yeah, STEM programs and, like, um, you know, everybody needs to think like a computer scientist or like an engineer. Because the way you're taught to approach problems mm-hmm. is, is or break down, like, you know, problem solve is why they want to hire. They want to hire engineers. Okay. So they hire a lot of, like, electrical engineers, um, computer science, um, mechanical engineers. Because the stuff you're reviewing is technical, a lot of it. So, like, I, my art that I was reviewing was the database art. They call it art. <clears throat> um, I should have called you when I sent in my uh, my um, trademark application. Yes, <laughs> man. Um, if I knew you at work, I'm like, yo, Shelly, yo, <laughs> help walk me through this because that shit was confusing. No, that's <laughs> real. So crazy story. I have a I have a trademark for my clothing line, mm. and I thought, oh, I pa- I examined patents before. I can just file this application. Yeah, no. I ended up having to get a lawyer. At first, I filed it, yeah. but when they responded, I was like, what? <laughs> and, so, and so I went ahead and um, decided to get a lawyer. Okay. So I- I'll say, long story short, I was at the patent and trademark office, didn't want to work behind a computer no more. At that time, PG County was basically hiring anybody that walked through the door with a degree. Like, um, hey, you got to be a teacher. So Sounds I heard about, about right. it. I went over there. <laughs> I applied. And I ended up being like a librarian. And so. Which, and, which li- uh, at a school or at an actual library? At library? a school. Which school? Um, is it Sedgefield or Longfields? Longfields. Longfields Elementary. I don't know that. It's up for Marlboro Pike. It's okay. like back up in the neighborhood. Okay, yeah, I don't know that. And th- that's interesting thing because a lot of people know high schools, but like there's so many elementary schools, people yeah, don't usually yeah, know them. That's pretty much the case. <laughs> and they're usually like back up in neighborhoods. Um, so so I was there for a year, and they then they displaced me. I was there for a school year. They displaced me because they said I couldn't have a computer science degree and be a librarian. So I was also the tech person for the school. So they were like, okay, well, you know, we got to find you another job or whatever. At that time, I was started applying, and T.C. Williams High School in Alexandria, mm-hmm. they were actually Williams. looking for a computer science teacher. Okay. So I applied, got the job, and so I taught, um, like, Java programming, web development, basic computer skills, some game, video game programming for, like, four years. Okay. And T.C. Williams gets all the funding from, like, the city of Alexandria, right? Because that's, like, the only high school in the area, right? So y'all get... T.C. Williams gets a lot of a decent amount of bread. It's well funded, yeah. you know. And I think the difference that I've seen in school systems um, in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia is that when you walk into a school in Virginia, you can see where the money is. And right. I feel like when I walk into schools in P.G. or D.C., I don't see them. Like you hear on the news, oh, right. such and such gave a million dollars to D.C. public schools. You walk into school and you're like, well, what did they do with it? Because right. the money's the money's on year. the money's on the field in D.C. and P.G. County. That's where the money is. Mm, okay, <laughs> that's where the money is. Yeah. Um. So I know in the okay in the midst of all this, because I know, I just wanted to bring up like your your the artistic side of you. Were you? Doing like you were writing your books, you were spoken no, word, you were doing so all that during this writing, period. No, well, yes and no. I've okay. I've been writing poetry since I was eight. Okay, and doing like little church performances. You know what I mean? So or like you know, oh, we haven't you know such such birthday, write us a poem, or like you know, oh, you know it's Christmas, write us a poem. You know, I was doing that kind of stuff for like family. In two thousand and nine. Um, randomly, I'm starting to listen to like Blog Talk Radio because at this time Blog Talk Radio mm-hmm. was like real yeah, hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had all these open mic shows. And, like, I was listening to this one. I'm like, this is whack. Like, I can do this. <laughs> so I go, I write a poem. I went on there and I spit it. And they loved it. So mm-hmm. then after that, I just, like, started, I was just started performing. That was the first time I really started looking at performance poetry. Okay. Um, and so I just hit the ground running. From from Blog Talk, I met people in D.C. in this area that were hosting the open mics. Right, right, right. Because people were friends with them and be like, oh, go holler at this person. Oh, go holler at that person. So I started just going to different open mics, performing poetry. 
And at this time, like, I knew a lot about technology when, like, things weren't really popping the way they are now. Like, there was no Instagram wasn't popping like it was that. Just, it was just Twitter. Right. Facebook. Facebook was there, but not like. It, is, it wasn't what it is today. Absolutely and not. Twi- but, and Twitter was still, like, the shit back then. Right. You know what I mean? Like, for real. Like, right. enjoyable. <laughs> right. what it is now. Right. So, I just started putting myself everywhere online. Okay. So, I, I built this. I didn't know it was branding at that time. I didn't call it that. But I just started, like, um, finding out how to get, like, free photo shoots. And I would just, like, have, like, at one point, all of my Facebook pictures was professional photos. Like, okay. you wouldn't. And so, it just was, I was just rolling. Then I started performing everywhere, featuring. Then I was like, oh, this is easy. I can start organizing. So, that's when I got into, like, community organizing, like, partnering with, like, I did a um, poetry slam with a, the Smithsonian, Smithsonian National African Art Museum. I did a poetry slam with the uh, Northern Virginia Fine Arts Association. I got into, like, real heavy arts in the city of Alexandria. I was an arts commissioner for a little bit. You know, so I just started being like, let me figure out, like, what else I can do with this and mm-hmm. how else I can work it. Mm-hmm. So I started my own arts organization called Seven City Art Society. And the idea was to take, like, build groups online and then actually bridge them out into our events because people were complaining at the time that, you know, technology was taking people away from art. And yes, so it was yes. like, okay, well, how can we bridge that? Because I'm such a techie, but, like, I'm also an artist. So, like, how do I push people from the Internet out to actual events? Do you, think, so, do you still think that that argument is, is, is something that's commonly heard today? I think that we're working on using technology as a way to make art more accessible. Okay. I think that it shifted from, oh, technology is taking over everything, right? Communications, um, taking over, you know, art is definitely still taking over newspaper stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, like um, the media industry in certain ways. But I think now we're, we're starting to look at it or I see more people looking at it as ways to be more accessible. Like how can we get people to see a play on Broadway from their home? You know, how do, or, now I think like a lot of what's happening, especially with like um, art in place, where people are like um, activating spaces. Mm-hmm. Now people are being like, "Oh, we need to remember to record these things," or like, "Oh, we need to remember to capture these moments." And so now people are looking for like, how do we incorporate the technology? Like, how do we keep the technology present in what we're doing? Because before there was so much art happening that if you weren't there, you weren't seeing it. Right. So I think there's a little bit of a shift. I'm I'm pretty sure there's still a whole group of people that will argue, mm-hmm. you know, just like with any topic, <laughs> honestly, yeah. that technology is the enemy. But even but back then you were trying to figure out how to bridge that gap. Yeah. So because I was really successful at creating like online groups, and so like we had like a BlackBerry Blackberries, we had like BlackBerry groups that were like full to the max of like people. And we would do, like, interactions every day. We would do, like, prizes. We would do all types of stuff. But I I wasn't thinking about what I had, per se. I was just thinking, I was just doing stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, let's do it. Like, let's build it. Like, people like this? Oh, wow, I just did that real easy. Y'all like that? Boom, let's do it. You know, like. 2009, 2010, that was a good time for that. A lot of people, especially in D.C., were just, we were just doing stuff and just throwing stuff at the wall and just to see what would stick, you know. Absolutely. And it was fun. You know, it was yeah. fun. It was and a good so time. It was. It was and so I, I, with Seven City, I also started doing some different pockets of community building, like communities within communities. So in the poetry community, um, I was as old as the veteran poets, but I was as new as the newer poets, mm-hmm. as the younger poets. So I happened to just, like, look at the scene, figure out who everybody was, and then actually build relationships with people. Okay. But then there was gaps where it was like the new people weren't meeting the old people that I knew, so or the older people were thinking, had certain thoughts about the newer people. It was a whole thing. So I was like, you know, we need to build something where people can write together. Yeah. So I built this thing called Soul Sessions, which ended up being like a traveling writing circle with like people who didn't even know about the DC scene. They was just saw us on meetup.com. It was like, I, I like to write. And it just... It started out as as poets that were already in the game, but then it start and then it ended up with like anybody that wanted to write. Mm-hmm. Then there was a need for like how do we gather women? Okay. So I spent off from that with the same model um, and created Women Writers Rock. And so then I had another woman that worked with me on it um, too. And so like you know we were just all just building community. 
And then eventually I got tired. And I was just like, listen, this, this is this is creating a lot of uh, community capital, but not a lot of actual money to pay my bills. And that, that was also something that happened to a lot of us at that time. I, that's something I experienced that creative bur- burnout around that time as well. So I can definitely empathize with you there. Yeah. So I decided, like, I need to get a job. So, oh, so you had yeah. stopped working. You had just jumped. Yeah, I had stopped. I, I left teaching head first into to this. do art full time. Okay. And I was doing a lot of events. Okay. I mean, at one point, I was hosting like five, six events a month. And were you at least even breaking even? I was, I was, uh, <laughs> I was doing okay. okay. You know what I mean? It just depends on. Uh, yeah, I was doing okay. <laughs> it was not where I wanted. It was, yeah, I would say, I don't know. Breaking even feels weird because it wasn't, I would say, not consistently. Okay. Um, I was living. I was surviving. You were surviving. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Surviving in D.C. ain't easy. Definitely not. <laughs> you want to do your so. best to be living out here. Right. <laughs> you don't <laughs> right, want to be surviving right. in D.C. Right, right. Not at all. Okay, so, so you, you stopped, you, you, you took a break from that and went back to work. Went back to work. Not okay. teaching, though. I went back to... Uh, so when it comes to, like, getting to know D.C., I would say this is where I really got to know D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, because I started working for um, a TANF provider. So oh, yeah. te- uh, I, Temporary assistance for needy families. Right. Temporary assistance for needy families. The way that D.C. government has chosen to handle this issue, which is a huge, huge issue in D.C. government. I mean, D.C. Um, and there's multiple reasons why. Uh, but it's a huge it's a huge issue in D.C. because a lot of other states have caps yeah. or had caps, right. and D.C. didn't have a cap on how long you could receive this assistance. Uh, so now what you're seeing, and even when it's coming to, like, homelessness, yeah. what you're seeing is this generations mm-hmm. of poverty yes. that was created by not having a rule. Right. Right. And it's interesting when you think about it like that, because I think that the way that and I mean, I'm not saying that this is the sole reason either, because I'm pretty sure that we could go, you know, on and on about some other things that DC and do. Right. But we could talk about that in critical place theory. <laughs> but ultimately, I'll say um, what I saw. So I, I came in as a, a CPR. There's se- first of all, there's several different organizations like this in the city. Mm-hmm. Who handle people who receive TANF? And TANF, what? Is, can you please explain? TANF bit. is temporary assistance for needy families, and when they say poverty, that's basically what they're talking about. Yeah, I mean, because we know that, like, we know that the number of African American people receiving food stamps yeah. is not um, the majority. Like, we know that from stats. Mm-hmm. However, when it comes to TANF, you're looking at a different. You are looking at minorities in right. essence. Yes. Um, and so I think that when you hear people talking about poverty, they're really talking about like TANF because it's a program that, you know, the, all the jokes about people getting checks. Oh, you get a check. You know, that's that program. Yeah, that's that program. And you don't get that much money. You probably get, you, know. you get more food stamp money than you do TANF money. Which is two totally different programs under two totally different agencies. Well, too, right? actually, under TANF, you get all the services. So you get uh, you get yeah, food so WIC, stamps, SNAP, WIC, SNAP. You can get, depending on where you are, you get housing. Yeah. You know, There's um, definitely a cross between like HHS yeah. and HUD, for sure. Yeah. I think the idea with TANF was to create that pool of resources right, temporarily, yeah. right? But then when you get into 10, 20 plus years, yeah. it, we're not talking temporary, right, right, you right. know, which not which what we also see is happening to our projects, yeah, right? right. Mm-hmm. So it's like the project is, the, the word project means temporary. Yeah. Yes. Right. But but but, but yeah, it didn't feel temporary. There's a, there's, a, there's a couple generations that then grew up in these sets of projects, maybe even other, they move from one set to another set. Which is why, I mean, going with this whole government agency thing, like they're putting a lot more money into runaway and homeless youth Mm -hmm. now because of the generational byproduct of not really handling a program like this that well. Right, right. Yeah, I think, well, the idea that we have is like, if you change the youth, you change the world. And I think, while I think that it's true, I just think that like we still gotta visit 
how do we reshape parenting or how do we reshape the narrative on parenting mm. right like when when a, and this is something that i'm super passionate about when it comes to entrepreneurship is motherhood mm-hmm. first of all if we still got commercials where the dude where the mo- dude mom calls his mom his mom calls and that's annoying like that's a problem mm. right like and the, it's these underlining places where it's like motherhood is annoying it normalizes you it, know, it right it, anno- it normalizes this idea that like ha- that you know you're bothering your child yeah. by checking on them yeah. you know like like what what the hell like yeah. you can't and then, how, so how do how do you gain respect as a mother, right. right? And so then you have like when it comes to um, any you know entrepreneurship, or just being a career professional. If you want to network, you can't have like how are you gonna have a family and network? Right. Like most of the things are happening between six and eight. Yes. Right. Um, you know, I've had like even in entrepreneurship, people having meetings at four o'clock. I'm like, what the hell, y'all? Happy hours. You gotta hit up the house. Y'all don't have people to pick up from school. Like right. what? I can't be the only person with a kid. I mean, a, right. a lot of people nowadays don't have, you know. They're waiting. And I mean, you can even tell that by a lot of the housing that's being built now. It's not geared towards families. Mm. Because there's so many Drowning single people. Drowning student debt. You know, that you too. Can't even feel like right, you can't, can't afford even. to. You know, there's no, like, unless you move out to the suburbs, you know, there's no, there's not enough space to have a family. You pay for a wedding. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> oh, all gosh, these things. You know, it's all right, these different right. things you got to run into. No, you that's gotta have right. a, Why can't you just go down to the justice of the peace? <laughs> Hey, right. Man, you start you start considering those things. Have for a, real, have a, have a, have this a, is true. Have a hidden ass party or something. That's that's what get I want to do it, in you know? the day and age that I get married. <laughs> it's funny too because like because I had a child in high school, I spent so much time trying not to be the girl with the kid. Mm. So I spent a lot of time, you know, making sure that I could do what everybody else could do. Mm. And now that I am I'm 36 now, and all of my friends who don't have kids are like, well, at least you got kids, girl. And I'm like, but, but you know, now mm-hmm. I, am I supposed to celebrate that now? Is now the time when I can say at least I got kids? Because they don't have kids and they're getting older and they're mm-hmm. like, now I don't have kids. And so I feel like there was a shift in like, let me do my profession, you know, let me do my career and my, and my school, school first. I mean, not that that's, I don't think there's a right or wrong way. In my idea, in my opinion, mm-hmm. We don't. We also don't create avenues where we make it easier for you know mothers who had kids while they were a little bit younger to actually still succeed. I mean, that's always been a problem. Like now, it kind of becomes stigmatized, you know. So you feel like you got to work harder because there's nothing to really assist you with that. You know what I'm saying? Like my theory on having children, and I don't often talk about this. My theory is children are warfare. Okay, if you want to, if you want she about your, to give you the real. If not you, the, not the, uh, not the, you know, she about to give kids us are wonderful. The real, I'm saying y'all, yeah. cause people gonna be listening, yeah. but you know, a lot of times when people talk about kids, they're like, oh my God, kids are, they're so great. And this just all the, like the good parts of parenting. All right. So keep it a buck, man, please. <laughs> like, no, 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 not that. I mean, parenting has its ups and downs. Um, but I would say that like, what I mean by children are warfare, warfare is that if you want your thought process to continue regenerating itself in the world you know you can write some books but like ultimately you want to have some soldiers right like you want to have some people mm-hmm. who believe like you believe so when we think about how like you know so racism and like yes yeah, so the institution of that still exists but like a lot of that is built around people mm-hmm. so because this mindset has not left the yeah. mindset has not died off. Because it was instilled. It's instilled. Each it's the way you grew up. It's, right. it, is, it is what our family believes. Right. And not, you know, not our family, but I'm just saying, like, that, that is the idea behind it. Mm-hmm. That, like, there is a mindset instilled. Mm-hmm. And, and if you look at any pattern of any, you know, of the majority of people who end up becoming wealthy, the goal is to have kids. Yeah. Because we need people to keep our wealth going. You know, we need people to keep our mindset going. Right. We need people to keep this power that I want to have for myself. And pass it on to somebody. Pass it on to somebody. Right. Like power, they, you know, the people don't want their power to die out. Well, let me let me ask both of y'all what y'all think about this. I was reading um, this online. Um, it said that in this article that I read, it said something about, and this is just about men in particular, it said white men don't feel grown until they have a family and black men hmm. don't want a family until they feel grown. Mm, wow. I like that. 
So I like that. I think I agree with that. You agree with that? I think I do. Same. Everybody in agreement. I think I, everyone's in agreement. No, because yeah. we're all in agreement. It's funny there. you just say that because I was having a conversation with uh, some some women yesterday, and we we're talking about like dating white men and black men, and um, one of the the women were saying that like she was saying that she in her experience dating white men that like they want a family, mm-hmm. like they want it. And they just don't have to deal with a lot of the pressures or whatever that black men have to deal with. So for them, it's like it's the thing to do. They want a family. They want to get married. They want to have kids, or right. or they want to get married a second time. You know, like and like for for black men, sometimes it just feels like there's so much trauma. We just trying to get right, right, and then we can think about everything else after. Because we've right. seen how yeah. things can go. If, if right. Are right. Whether it's, we come, the we come, we come that, from those households. We come from those single mom households. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. See how that's traumatic. That's real. Very real. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, yeah. you know I be finding all types of crazy stuff when I just be doing random Google searches what in the middle the, of the night. The son will pay for the sins of the father, huh? Mm. I'm at the in, see. I'm at the many different that, ways. Mm. <laughs> That's yeah. real. I mean, because I've been having this, and then we. I don't know what part of the seg- what segment we on, but I, I have been having this like debate with internally, like internal conflict about dating and like whether or not I want to date outside of my race. Um, I think I think, like, I think a lot of I think a lot of black women, and just thinking about friends of mine, especially black women who live in urban environments mm. are having these are having these questions if they've never you know dated outside the race before well I, <laughs> and i think like the type of challenge that i'm looking for i mean and i'm not saying that there's no black man out there there i'm not saying there's no you good black man you don't i'm believe, not, I'm you don't not even saying that trash. the person got to be white no i don't and okay. i don't even i'm not even saying that the person got to be white i'm just talking about not not black in general, right? So right, it could right, be right. or identifying as that. So you know, you could be Hispanic, you could be Asian, you could be something else. Um, but I, I think, and it's I don't know because I feel like anywhere I say this is not gonna sound. Man, right. just say it. <laughs> I think sometimes. So with that trauma that we're talking about, mm-hmm. I I don't want, I want to get out of it. Okay. I want out of this trauma, yes. right? And I want out of this mindset or idea. Mm-hmm. I want out of it, you know? And it's like, even even when I see people of color, like, celebrating, like, you know, like, in people, on the, all these dating sites, like, sometimes in a in a, a man's profile, he'd be like, you know, 35, no kids. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, I would <laughs> rather date somebody that had kids at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I will date someone that doesn't. All the people that I dated before, they didn't have kids. My, I have three different... My kids have three different fathers. I have no problem saying that because Erica Badu did it and ain't nobody have a problem with it. So, <laughs> so everybody need to get off of that. Ain't nothing wrong with it. But um, we're, we're, but we're all pretty them, open-minded here. Yeah. All of them <laughs> were were had no kids. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't want to date them. I, I'm not having no more kids. Yeah, so yeah. I don't want to date a person Who that wants kids. ambitions of having kids, yeah. Yeah, I mean, unless we're very, very well off and I can go straight to cosmetic surgery after. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good, okay. you know, and I think that I have had to tell some very nice men that I think you're awesome, but if you want kids, I'm not the one for you, mm-hmm. and that's hard, you know, so I think I've also just been thinking about, like, I don't want to have to be this uh, angel to get married. Like, I hate when I meet dudes and they be like, I'm like, would, you know, do you want to get married? Yeah, you know, if it's the right one and she did it, look, she's it not, ain't a, she's not a hoe. <laughs> whatever, the, whatever. <laughs> it's not. It's not. There's Is no such thing as being a hoe when you're an adult. No. I mean, that's my opinion. I'm sorry. Hey, I, I say like, as long as you ain't out here burning people and <laughs> making a bunch of babies you can't take care Whoa. of, like, have Whoa. at it, man. Do what you gonna do. Yeah. <laughs> you can you only got one be life a, to live. You, know? you can only be a hoe when people know what you're doing, and that's the mm. thing. Like you. It, that's high school. Like, mm. I don't have to report to nobody every day. Mm. You know what I mean? Where I've been, who I slept with, none of that. And right. and I ain't having, I'm not having friends with, a, you know, a set of friends. Yeah. You know, so it's not like I'm I'm just going to run through somebody's crew. So, like, in reality, you know, I could have been on 15 days this week. Wouldn't right. nobody know right. but me. Right. So, it's like, there's no way to be 
a hoe, I yeah. guess, and other than theory. Well, let, let's let's dial it back in. And actually, it's, I want to jump into okay. BGV, Black Girl Vision. Okay. Now, did you start that before you started uh, Made by a Black Woman, Miss Print, you would say? No, no. so, <laughs> speaking of relationships. Okay. Um. So, the 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 job I was working with the Tanner provider, I can't, I you know I won't name them, but they're a terrible they're a terrible company, um, terrible people. They don't care about the people they serve, and they don't care about their employees either. They just wanted the contract. It's a million dollar contract. I was a, I I went from being the CPR trainer to moving up to being the program manager of, of the one of the contracts. Million dollar contract. Uh-huh, yeah. Poverty is a money making business. Oh yeah. All right. So um. I left there. I uh, they they laid me off because they got mad at me because I wouldn't represent them in front of city council, and I just couldn't. I could not do it. Yeah. I could not let the first time the DC City Council sees my face be on behalf of this organization. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't. So cool. I was like, whatever. So I was by this time I was pregnant with Skylar, and um, I heard that, and I were like really dating or whatever, and together, and all these things, and like. You know, they plan to get married, you know, got engaged, all of that, all that domestic stuff that people do. And after having her, he wanted me to go back to get a regular job. But mm-hmm. I told him I wanted to get an art job or I wanted to start a business, and mm-hmm. he didn't want me to. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm about to get married. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I um, I didn't. I went back. I made some phone calls and went back to doing patent work. Okay. Um, as I'm doing, but I hated it every day. Best boss I've ever had, hands down. But I hated the job itself. And I thought I was hiding it well, but I wasn't. So yeah. one day my boss called me in and he was like, you know what? I don't know what it is you're supposed to be doing, but it's not this. So you need, you're talented, you're a good employee, but you, you're, this is not where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And he laid me off, but he paid me for two more months. He gave me insurance for three more months. Word. Oh. And he didn't deny my unemployment. Okay. Which sounds really great now in hindsight. <laughs> Absolutely. But like that day, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I got a <laughs> I was devastated. I went home and I called the Psychic Network. Okay, true story. Uh, I went home and I called California Psychics. And I was like, what is happening to my life? Because there was no other spiritual advisor in your life to call on. I kept seeing it. This is good advertisement. Like, I kept seeing the commercials. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I'm going to call them one day. And this just happened to be the day that it had to happen. Because I was like, I can't. You should have asked them, like, can you tell me which numbers to play while you at it? Right. <laughs> so when I, the lady told me. She was like, you need to find what it is that you need to do, and when you do, the money will come. Mm. And you're not going to be with that guy. Mm. So I'm like... <laughs> I'm and, like and the TV oh psychic gosh. ended up being right. Look and at that. And she was right. <laughs> so uh, he and I, I... I actually, like, maybe I, sh- I told him about it, and I shouldn't have told him. I was going to ask, like, maybe it was like a self-fulfilling... What is it? It possibly. Yeah. I, I mean, in hindsight, he's just not the one. But I mean, possibly. Because right. the energy is now in the air. Like, right. In my head now. Like. And so we probably, but we could have made it happen faster than it would have. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? True. So I think that, um, so our relationship broke down. And I was just like, what am I to do? So like, I, I threw out all of my furniture. I, I built new furniture out of pallets. Uh, and I just started building things. Mm-hmm. So I created these like teepees that, um, that go in your house. That, that I was gonna put in my house to rent out. Everybody thought I was crazy. I had, I had never even drilled a hole at this time, okay? I'm at Home Depot, like, I'm gonna build this teepee. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, what? I, what are you doing? So, but I did. And I built it and I put it on Airbnb and like people wanted to stay with us like for weeks at a time. I thought, okay, I got a teepee B&B. I'm like, okay, people are just gonna stay for the weekend. Yeah. It's gonna be a little extra money. People wanted to come and stay with us for like months. Like people were transitioning out of school. People were right. um, coming in town for training for the job. They were. It was all these different situations that people needed, like temporary housing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, one woman came to stay with us for two weeks. She was about to go off to the military. And after that, I was like, I'm not doing this. I can't do it. I can't deal with somebody. Keeping up with the change of people coming mm-hmm. in and out. All I the decided time. no. She was the first and last person because the idea behind it was to create like a, a safe space for women artists. Because as an artist traveling, 
men can be on stage and be like, I need a place to stay. And women are like, okay. You know, but like as a woman, you can't do that. Yeah. Like, so it's not safe for you. Then I'm like, okay, it could also be an extra stream of income for like single moms who like want to make some extra money. But I also realized from that point that safe space is about safe people. Yes. Not about the space itself. Mm -hmm. I can be safe, but Mm -hmm. if you're not safe, then then it's not safe, right? So I'm like, what am I going to do? So I I started out with a clothing line that was uh, like an LGBT-focused clothing line. So I had – that didn't do too well. So I was on the phone with the printer at the time, and I was like, you know what? It's made by a black woman. I should put that on a shirt. And I literally went to the computer – and designed the logo after the Made in America logo mm-hmm. that says Made by a Black Woman. And put it on a shirt and boom. like Started flying. Yeah. Okay. And so my shoes. mom invested some money. I took that very uh, next like tax year and I, I invested my tax money mm-hmm. to get all the equipment for screen printing. Because mm-hmm. I learned how to screen print when I was teaching at TC. Because we had a screen print class. They printed everything in house. And so I learned then, I'm like, I can do this myself. So I decided to just launch a print house right beside it. So I kind of print launch Made by a Black Woman and Misprint USA simultaneously. Mm-hmm. But with, with Made by a Black Woman, we just hit the ground running. We just we were vending everywhere. We were, like, traveling. We were going everywhere that we can go. And a friend of mine who, who was kind of like my mentor on the print side, he was like, look, don't change your design. Yeah. Because the way that people mess up with their with the clothing – is that they end up changing their design after so much time, and then they end up with all these designs and can't sell something. Right, right. So I, I kept it. Instead of changing the designs, I decided to change the, um, I decided to change the clothes. Okay. So I did shirts, sweatshirts, and then we did kid stuff. Mm, mm. And then the kids stuff. The branding intact. The kids stuff. The the. The kid stuff got picked up by Essence Magazine. Wow. That's tight. So we ended up That's in tight. the on the holiday gift guide of Essence Magazine in our first year, which was 2016. Mm. Um, and so that was, like, super cool. We had a rack of orders come in. But Made by a Black Woman just needed more marketing and more money to pour into it before it could really, really grow. Yeah. And the print shop started to outweigh it because everybody needed stuff printed. Like, a print shop is like yeah. a pizza shop. Right. You can open one up right on the next block. Somebody going to need something printed. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what started happening. So it started being the way that I really was living. Mm-hmm. Like, it still is. Like, the print shop is really how I live. Yeah. I'm in the print orders. That's so after that, I'm like, you know, I was head down working so hard. And I realized that I was missing community. Yes. Because as an artist, I always had community. Yeah. Like, you know, you can go to an open mic any night of the week, especially now with Busboys. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go to an open mic any night of the week. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have people there that understand you and, like, all of that. And so I was like, you know what? I need to, I need to bring back community. Mm-hmm. So this is also around a time where, like, a lot of the stats are coming out about, you know, women of color starting businesses, black women in particular. Right. Um, black women start businesses at, at six are starting businesses at six times the national average, but we're not seeing the receipts as everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, let's just start a community. So I started Black Girl Vision. Um, and, and one want, of the... I want to say, I want to read real quick what Black Girl Vision is. Okay, awesome. Because I just like to read. Um, <laughs> I do, I like to read. Um, all right, Black Girl Vision is a social enterprise dedicated to finding creative solutions to dissolve the race and gender gap in access to capital. BGV's mission is to expose women of color to economic independence via entrepreneurship by developing initiatives for microfinance, business development, and community building. In a nutshell, (laughs) I am passionate about entrepreneurship as a viable option um, for economic independence, independence from a workforce that pays you less than everybody else. I like that. (laughs) <laughs> that's a good elevator pitch yeah <laughs> a workforce that pays you less, I mean not even just like women okay women but then w- women of color less than everybody else mm-hmm. um, but I think that people don't see don't see entrepreneurship as, as a viable option because one a lot of us are choosing the wrong products yes um, and it's hard to tell somebody like people get so passionate about whatever they're doing they want to keep it forever what are like, the like common Instagram products boutiques? that you see yeah yeah I was <laughs> what, like Instagram boutiques 
Oh God. <laughs> what are some of those like products that you've seen was like, all right, I see that you're passionate about this, but this isn't gonna move units like that. Oh like gosh, I don't even, I can't I don't wanna say What are the common ones if you give me some high level Okay, I'll say some people that start the T shirts. The T shirts, yeah. Subscription boxes. Right now uh, subscription boxes are becoming that's the like hot thing, right? a hot yeah. thing. But they don't just work. You know, yeah, right. like there's a lot to them. Yes, yeah, a lot um, of operations. A lot of operations. Inventory. So I feel like that's one of the ones. I mean, there now there are some that are really, really good and really, really niche and that works. Mm-hmm. But then there's some where they're like, oh, I'm just starting a subscription box. I'm like, yeah, now nah, you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, one that I feel like people are struggling to succeed in, excuse me, is consulting, certain levels of consulting. Um, people who are wanting to, you know, get into certain realms of working with corporations or working with, it takes a while to build that type of thing up. Even with trying to do training, you know, I would say, you know, what personally from our perspective or just in general, it's kind of hard to break into, uh, being a corporate trainer. You have that Rolodex for real. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Right. Well, see, and you know, I was, I was talking about this a little earlier. Like one of the things that I, so at first, three main areas that, that, that people of color in general are lacking, that's funding, um, influential networks, and ability to hire. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of people working on funding or attempting to or thinking about it. There's a lot of people working on um, hiring as a metric, but not a lot of people working on how do you build an influential network. Right. And also, like, even in my experience, like, now when I've gotten into other realms of people, it's like, how do I stay there? And not stay there because they don't want me there, but stay there because I don't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, or, or like, I'm learning the language. Right. It's a totally different world when you step into different groups and communities, especially as you advance up the the ladder, socioeconomic ladder, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Because people always tell you, like, oh, if you look around and you're the smartest person in the room you're or the, the smartest room. person in your group, then you need another room or yeah. another group. But then they don't tell you how to be the dumbest person in the group. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, or even <laughs> even just even just like the like, been there even like right. even just differences and like like cultural differences and just like like where you come from and just like life experiences, like all that makes a difference, too, like intellectually everybody could be there academically right. everybody could be there or like there could be all the smart people who've got all the credentials but like if y'all come from like completely different walks of life and here you come that is another hurdle you got to deal with and some and that can even be intimidating for a lot of people there's still me? other standards after you get in that room like right. I, i'm told and i've always been told in different networking settings like as the black man at the networking event or at the the company uh, Christmas party or happy hour, two drinks max. That's it. You don't man, want to be there. I'll be in the corner with my one drink and my plate of food just watching, and I leave it at that. <laughs> one, really, it's one drink and a water. You know what I'm saying? Unless, like, it's, like, unless it's like a, 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 a restaurant industry uh, Christmas right. party. Those are no so even when, you get into, <laughs> even when you get into the spaces as, as a black person, mm. you still have to hold yourself to another subset yes. of standards. Yes. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, I never even thought about that on a drink level. No, no, but that's a good idea. Uh, think you don't about all get too twisted, so they Because mm-hmm. they're going to amplify how you was cutting up more right. than, you know, the two the two other people who, who might have been white or whatever who got caught in the bathroom, right. you know, going getting it in. You know what I mean? Where you might have just, like, earled in the, in the trash can. And that's terrible, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's real. critical place theory. Now we got to do critical place theory. I think it's a good, good, good time to segue into that. So for anybody, first time listeners, critical place theory, we have our guests talk about three things they love, three things they hate about the city they live in. So what you got for us, Shelly? You can start with the good, start with the bad. It's on you. Um. So I think like, so, okay, let me see. My first one, three things that I love about D.C. is I do feel like a lot I feel like a lot is possible like there anything's possible if you really want to make it happen coming from North Carolina and one of the reasons why I stay here so long is because I feel like the possibilities were here yeah right for me to do especially when it came to art like getting into the art scene it was just it was just awesome I've never I, I, I've never felt like I wasn't supported mm-hmm. as an artist um, 
and even in different different communities that I work with fine art you know I, I never felt like I wasn't supported okay so I would say like I feel like there's definitely possibilities here okay um another thing that I love about DC is I think that there's some if you can find them there's some really cool spots and like in the nooks and crannies of DC that you yes. really wouldn't like people you were you might not see um just blasted everywhere but like if you know some people that know some people you can end up in like some type of mansion or some type of like <laughs> you know cool bar that like you didn't even know existed mm-hmm. um you're like wow like this is kind of dope okay another thing that i like about dc is let me see that i like about dc i don't know what my third one would be i don't know all right we come back to that i think about it okay so now for so, the So, okay, things I don't <laughs> like. One of the things I, I don't like is how fragmented it is mm-hmm. and how separated everybody is. Um, and I feel like there's, there's people who who try to stand in the space to bridge and then it, and then it can easily become another fragment versus, instead of a bridge. Do you see the greatest fragmentation just within racial, across racial lines, or is it also like economic or even uh, social? Or is it all three? Is one is it greater in one place than the other? I think it's all three, and I think like we don't realize it sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think like uh, from a race perspective, it's very fragmented, Mm -hmm. but it it doesn't appear to be super racist. Yeah, if that if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. it's just like everybody is just kind of gravitated to where what fits them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not saying that there's no racism. I'm just saying that you know I just think I don't know if if it's like hardcore race where it's like. You white, I'm black. You Asian, you or cu- cultural. Let's do that. Yeah, cultural. Okay. It's cultural. Okay, that's what I say. And so the, it's not so much hard lines on race, but it is uh, whatever cultures we've adapted to, been a part of that type of thing. Yeah, DC being what it is, you're not gonna find like hardcore racial issues in your face like that. Like right. that. Yeah. So I think it's cultural. Okay. Um, another thing that I hate about DC is. I gotta be careful because it's gonna be public. So let me uh, <laughs> let me be as PC as I can on it. Um, I I think that a lot of some okay. So this is what I say: the mindset of people sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, it's a people want to be New York about their about the way they act in terms of like they want to be like this hardcore kind of cutthroat, or they want to be so important. It's just this weird, like, you know, needing to be hype and looking hype all the time type of thing. And it's like, this is really Southern, you know, like, let's just be Southern. Like, it's okay if, if we treat this a little bit more friendly. Um, I feel like there's a, there's fight, there's fights for power, but they don't, there doesn't need to be yeah. really. And that's the part I don't like. Um, the last thing I probably say that I don't like is all the construction and traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that yeah. man. That's been happening here since before, back when people was definitely calling this place Chocolate City. <laughs> the cranes and the traffic ain't going nowhere. It's getting worse, but it's not going nowhere. I don't think it, and I really don't even know. Like nationwide, I feel like the same types of <laughs> the same types of construction have been going on for years, and it really is making me think. Like, are they really fixing anything, or this is just employing people? Just the economy, basically. Yeah, like is it just employing people, yeah. or is yeah, I think it? Really, I, think it's I mean, just I'm not. I'm all for employing people, mm-hmm. you know. But I'm just saying, like, I wonder. Yeah. You know that one highway where it's like, come on now, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> you know which highway is that? <laughs> right, like or that street near your house where they just keep expanding it. You're like, really? It's a conspiracy too, because they'll leave certain streets like un with no fresh pavement for years, mm-hmm. just so. It can boost people going to the mechanics. This is just my conspiracy. I don't know if it's true. Well, well you know D- DC, like, you can start a whole economy off. DC of that. is equal opportunity when it comes to having your uh, front end alignment jacked up because right. they don't, <laughs> they don't get that the roads right. are. It don't matter what the tax bracket is and what part of town you in. It's the equalizer. Anybody can get it's it. It's the equalizer. The <laughs> Anybody can That's get funny. it. <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's go back into um, entrepreneurship. So. Um, I want to know: Are you enjoying this part of the journey? Because um, you've done a lot. You've done a lot. Like when? Did, when did you come to DC? Uh, Two thousand five. All right. So twelve years. You've done a whole lot. You know, 
and I, I know you got a lot more to come, but you know, where you are right now in the journey, like, are you enjoying this part of the journey? I am. I, I, I've learned a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like things that I would want to leave people with, you know, artists or entrepreneurs or just people in general is like, always know what you want. Mm-hmm. No matter what, no matter what opportunity you get. You know, like one of my mentors told me like, you know, 10 years from now, you can look up and have, and you, with all the things you've done and just have done a lot of things and that's cool, but like, is that what you want? Yeah. You know, like, what do you want out of it? And as an artist, I walked into a lot of things with without what I wanted in mind mm-hmm. and they were great and it, were, it was fun, it was in the moment, but then it's like, dang, what could I have taken away from that? Mm-hmm to build something else. And so I think like now what I've, what I've learned now is exactly how to do that. Like how do I go into these places? How do I, how, how do I become more intentional about even w- the places I'm going to? Yeah. Um, and like how I spend my time to build the next thing. And so it's been playing in my favor. So I think like I'm learning to enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. I don't always. <laughs> and day to day is super stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, juggling multiple companies and like you know even even like you know if you have staff and things like that it's still you're still running these things yeah. and so it becomes stressful um but i am learning to just enjoy the ride enjoy the moment you know have some wild moments for myself where mm-hmm. i'm like wow look i did that it was great um yeah i'm learning i i i, I can't say i do it well every day and you wouldn't have it any I don't even way. eat, barely. I barely eat and I barely sleep. And I have narcolepsy. And people are like, how do you? Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering. <laughs> I don't know. I do not know. I don't have an answer for you. Like, I don't have an answer. When people are like, how do you do it? I do not know. Like, I, think, I think I could do everything except, like, when it comes to the not eating, like, me not eating, it turns me into a monster. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't want to be around me if I've gone too long without food. It's not, like, I don't really get upset. But if you want to see me upset, <laughs> don't feed you, right? Right, exactly. I'm working on eating more. Okay. Or better. I don't know. Is is more eating more than even eating better? It's not even bad food. It's just not eating. eating regularly. Right. Okay. And so that's real. But I mean, so I'm learning. Okay. I'm learning to okay. to to enjoy the moment and figure that out and like try to figure out like what that looks like. Okay. Well, if you have any um, tips for that, though, um, just eat when you're hungry <laughs> that's right what, that's the that, start that's what i normally do i eat when i'm hungry um uh shelly where can people find you um i am shelly bell everywhere so i am shellybell.com i am shelly bell on twitter facebook instagram i am shelly bell it is yeah it's everywhere i mean in terms of black girl vision Oh, I do want to plug. Uh, I don't know when this will air, though. But we're, we're having a pitch competition on October 26th. Oh, it'll air before then. Okay. Yeah. Um, we have a pitch competition coming up on October 26th. Um, it's in partnership with WeWork, so to be at the one. So I'm tr- I want to bring all the pitch competitions in the Southeast. Like, that's my goal. Um, so we'll have, we're going to have. You can do it. Yeah. I'm, 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 we're doing it because I, I feel strongly about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing it at the new one on M Street. Okay, Navy Yard. And then we're also going to, yeah, the Navy Yard one. It's okay. And then we're also going to, um, in 2018, we'll, we're going to have one at the Anacostia Arts Center. Word, word, word. Yeah, so I'm super hyped about that. But ultimately, uh, that's blackgirlvision.com um, or at blackgirlvision on Instagram. Okay. 